Hey, what's going on? MJ Lennon here, and welcome back to the Fitness Business Life podcast. I am joined by my favorite sidekick, Philip Brady, today, because this is going to be a special episode. This has been something that has been in the back of my mind now to kind of do and speak about for the last few weeks. And it's not something that I have ever spoken about before. And I think the reasons for that is because I didn't want to go down the route of, of suggesting to people that I knew more about this subject than what than what I actually do, right? Um, because it will go way beyond a half-hour podcast episode, way beyond that. Um, but what I want to do from this episode and what I want to get from this episode are some of the strategies that people have control of whenever it comes to their mental health. Um, and I thought, who better to bring on to chat about some of this stuff than Phil Brady. Phil, say hello, my friend. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. Glad to talk. Always a pleasure, man. So myself and Phil, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, and I had said to him that three of the things, okay, so let's say any kind of any kind of neurology or uh, neurochemistry or anything like that aside, because, uh, again, I don't know about you, Phil, but I'm not qualified to talk on that stuff, so I just can't. Right. I can't, I can't, yeah. I, I, I think there's very few people out there who who could. And even the ones who, let's say, would be qualified would still suggest that, you know, what they know about the brain and neurology and neurochemistry is still very limited in terms of uh, what there could potentially be around that subject. So we're not going to delve into that. But what I do want to talk about are some of the things that people have control over whenever it does come to their mental health, which let's say three of the most, three of the things that stand out most of all to me. And we will both have experience in this here. So I think we're in a good place to talk about this. Three of the things that stand out the most is number one, your physiology. So your movement or a lack of your movement, right? Uh, your nutrition, or a lack of nutrients in your diet. So those things can come into play whenever it comes to mental health. The other thing then is your job. I, I know you're going to have a lot to say on this as well, Phil, and I have a lot to say on this, but your purpose in life, your passion in life, or a lack of purpose and passion in your life can also have an impact on your mental health. And I'll share some stories around this as well. And then the final thing that I wanted to touch on is your environment. So your physiology, your profession, and the people or the places that you spend time in or spend time with will impact your mental health as well. Uh, what's the saying? I heard James Clear say this before, is that uh, one of the biggest factors in how people behave is, uh, oh, what's the saying? What's the term you use? I can't recall, but basically it's who you keep in close contact with and the things that you keep on in close contact with will largely determine your behaviors and your habits. So if you're spending time in an environment 
that is not setting you up for success, well, then, of course, that's going to have an impact. And people know this here. But what we want to get from today is some of the strategies that will help people become aware. Because I don't, I don't know about you, Phil, but sometimes whenever I speak to people and they're struggling in some of those areas, they're completely unaware of it. And then you make them aware and they're like, shit, I didn't even know that that would have impacted my my mm. mental health, my psychology. And it's like, of course it does. So let's delve into the first one, shall we? So first one was physiology or movement. Yeah, it was physiology. So it was either movement or a lack of movement, and it was nutrition or a lack of nutrients within wow. your uh, within your dad. So I can again, I can only share my own personal story on this here. And for contrast, let's let's go opposite end of the scale. So for me, I know that. If I'm not moving, I'm not well, right? Again, that's just my own personal experience. And there's been times where for, for a very short period of time, uh, you know, I broke my hand, something has happened, dislocated my thumb, something has gone on. And while I didn't stop moving, it did limit my ability to move in the way that I normally would. And even for that short period of time, I felt it. I was like, I am like, this is affecting me. This is affecting mm. my behavior. And it was like a day, two days. Now I imagine someone's doing that for weeks on end. It's frightening. Crazy. So this is one of the reasons why I came to ECA to study, to be a personal trainer, because I, so I've paid attention to mental health for years. As you know, there's some close ties uh, and my connection to that space of seeing mental health deteriorate uh, to its most extreme. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was a connection on a well-being side with uh, movement and literally just using your body the way it's designed. It's We are designed to move and to be in motion. We're not designed to be sedentary. Um, but I also then linked it to performance. So again, I know we're doing contrast and, and, and the opposite. So like, Lack of movement equals no well-being. Movement, useful movement, equals better performance. So, like, we can play to both the ends of the scale. But if you are, like, if you think about mental health as well, any from a, uh, typically you'll feel stuck. Mm. So depression, and again, I'm saying terms, and I've read a little bit about it. And if people want book recommendations, I can make some because I've read some about this because I really want to help. Uh, Lost Connections by Johan Harry is roughly the one that I'm going to share a little bit about now. Like depression is the, the, one of the myths that he's debunked slightly in the book is that it's a biological thing, like it's a chemical thing. Hmm. So it's not actually medication that always helps. It's the things that you do in addition to that that actually contribute to the biggest difference to how you feel. Typically, you reemerge and talk to people because you're like, I'm taking medication so I can go back out into the world. So it's actually the opposite of depression is expression. Okay. Right. So I know that there's been periods in my life where I've not been expressing who I am. You say about job, sometimes that can contain who you think you are and who you think you need to be. So you don't get to express fully who you are, which adds to that depression or depressing sense of who you are because it's not being allowed to come out and up. Mm -hmm. um, but reconnecting with people and moving towards them and towards who we are and a vision of the future are some of the things that that book pointed out, which again, you've touched on environment, uh, feeling like you're an agent as in you're in control 
uh, of your environment. They did a study and the people that they interviewed, uh, depending on where they were in the level of the company, so this was civil servants in this example of the study, right? The people that were most senior leant, leant back in their chair, they had their arms up and power posing, and the other people that were lower down, less control over the direction of where they were going, wow. uh, were really seeking, uh, tell me what you need me to do, more open to control. And they could show on stats uh, just some of the impact that that had on them mentally and physically, more likely for heart attack, heart-related problems, and then that kind of mental well-being, um, like a limit to the amount that they're able to fully uh, live, uh, mm -hmm. to be honest. Because again, well-being will take us, uh, it will lower who we are and our expression of ourselves in life. Um, so that's just, sorry, a couple of brain dumps back at you based on what you no, said. No, legit, mate. I actually just made some neural connections there myself. <laughs> now that I think about it, like these things aren't segregated. Yes. So what, when you said, let's say, you know, the, the CEO who's sitting back on, on their chair in their chair for anyone who's listening to this on a podcast, I'm sitting back on my chair with my fingers interlocked behind my head, openly expressive. Well, they're comfortable in that role in their job. So their physiology says that as well. Yes. Right. So their physiology. And this is why, this yep. is why Lenny, like I get excited about this because one of the leaders I was coaching was hunched over. Mm. I'm like, your body is telling me everything that's going on inside you. Crazy gaming, man. laptops, everything is condensed, forward, constrained. You could say depressed, like it's inward. It's like this mm. versus. I'm right? good. I'm happy. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm up and out. I'm expressing. I'm more open to life. My chest is open. I'm showing more of who I am. So how can you be confident when you're retreating and playing smaller and not feeling control when you choose to open? and open towards life, other people, your work, and you choose to take control over that and author who you are, author who you want to spend time with, author the type of work you want to do, that feeling of holding your pen in your life, literally, if nothing else boils down under all of these things, is taking control, feeling you're in control, and acting on that control. It's so powerful, really subtle. It's underneath all of these things that you're talking about. It is. I... Proximity has a powerful effect on behavior was the was the was the term that I wanted to get across our environment. That was the other neural connection that I made just for anyone listening. Mm. For me personally, and I suppose you can share some of your thoughts on this as well, Phil. <clears throat> Shout out to Andrew Huberman from Huberman from the Huberman Lab podcast. This has been a game changer for me, like an absolute game changer. And I was actually thinking about this today. So we, we probably think about physiology as in movement and rightly so, but there's other, there's other, there's other sort of micro elements to it as well. Right. So I, one of the things that I've been doing from, let's say the, the first of January, and this was something that I committed to for me as a fitness professional, this is fine. Right. I get up at 5 a.m. every day. I'm not suggesting that everyone has to get up at 5 every 5 a.m. every single day. The only thing that I suggest to people is that you get up before you have to. Right. So if your time, if, if you have to get up at 10, you get you get up at 730. And when I say have to, that means if you're not up at 10, you're late for work. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you're late for something. So instead of getting up at 
Um, and we'll, that because essentially that's the first movement. That's the first movement of the day. When we're talking about physiology, it's like get up out of bed. Do not hit that snooze button, right? Because let's say you do, you hit snooze. Maybe you get up, the alarm goes off, you turn it off and you get back into bed. Essentially what happens is you're going back into another sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. And if you waken up 15 minutes later when the alarm goes off as well, you're giving yourself that little mini jump and you're still tired. You're going to be more mm-hmm. tired after hitting the snooze button. When you're back into your sleep cycle, you're you're in sleep inertia and mm-hmm. you're going to be groggy. And so instead of hitting that snooze button, the first thing that you do, or the, at least the first thing that I do, is when I wake a few hours before I have to, I make sure to stay up, go and turn the lights on, hit the kitchen. For me personally, so we'll talk about nutrients as well. And hydration is in there. So the first thing that I will do is I drink a liter and a half of water. I got one of these bad boys. So I'm holding up a, a bottle of Evian for anyone that's listening on the podcast. I, I start drinking a liter and a half of water before I drink any coffee or anything like that, liter and a half. And I was actually telling this to a group that I was teaching at the weekend when they asked me, so what do you do first thing in terms of movement? And I was like, I do 25 rotations with all of my joints, 25, right? And then I sit in, yeah, yeah, every morning without fail, 25 rotations with all of my joints. And then I sit into the base (laughs) for seven minutes, right? Now, I always say to people, the first thing you do whenever you get up in the morning is you get to work. With that said, it's a little white lie because if I was to sit down at a desk, punched at a desk, looking at my laptop, writing emails, doing whatever, and maybe, so let's, for contrast again, I hit the snooze and maybe I get up like, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm a little bit groggy. And then I go in and I grab a coffee because I'm a little bit groggy. And then I sit down at my laptop because I'm late to the party and now I got to do some work. So then that's the contrast. Right. So I, again, I'm just sharing my own experiences on this here. Having seen both sides of that, not hitting snooze, you know, drinking my water, doing my movement before I actually sit down to do work, how much productive you are and how much clearer you are in your thinking is crazy. Right? And, and Huberman backs this up with like the hormonal uh, differences, getting your um, uh, adenosine. Uh, so if you don't drink coffee 90 to 120 minutes after you wake up, that's when your body naturally does what it needs to do. You top it up with caffeine after. So even some really simple stuff like that makes a massive difference. Um, you don't want that to, so you naturally produce cortisol to wake you up. You don't want that to have nearly suppressed because you've gone back to sleep and press snooze. And you'll always feel groggy. Exactly. Um, can I can I offer a contrast again to some of this stuff again because physiology we've said about movement but you've also yes. said about nutrition hydration uh, like joint mobility and stuff like that yeah, yeah but for anything that we talk about in this the opposite is also true of it being useful which is rest mm. for well being so people overwork so that story about the fly trying harder banging into the window to get out. Versus yeah. just looking and pausing and looking and seeing that there's a better option that's more efficient. We overwork, overtrain, overmove in other areas of our life, not physically, but mentally. And we never get to settle or the opposite ex- experience the rest and recovery that's needed. So we're never overworked, we're under recovered. 
So both movements are useful, but movement isn't always the antidote. It's a, a enough movement. Got it. Right? Recovery, sleep, those things are just as important, not just the 5 a.m. wake up, but the 9 p.m. sleep turn on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I generally find, again, my own personal uh, thing on this is when you actually do get up before you have to a couple of hours, like you're not not going to sleep that night. <laughs> as your head hits the pillow you are out and there's an element of uh compartmentalization with both you know if you're resting you're resting it's like yes. day's done phone down tv off lights off you know um it's that it's that we, we what we want to sort of delve into i think that for for me you know people talk about uh when it comes to sleep making sure that you get to bed at the same time every night and awake and i i actually think the wake time is more important it is yeah sleep sleep uh, how we sleep or why we sleep by matthew walker that's one of the things same awake same asleep every day of the week yes i i i truly believe that the wake time because you build up sleep pressure throughout the day so if you you know if your wake if your wake time is consistent and let's say you're awake for what it's 16 17 hours then by the time the day is out like there's no there's no twiddling your thumbs on the pillow there's no fighting to get sleep you're just yes you're zonked and you're out like yeah you're out. So maybe like, one of the one of the things that i mean this is linked to job environment that kind of thing as well one of the things that someone like jordan peterson clinical psychologist does whenever he gets a new patient mm -hmm. what's your routine and first piece of homework is create the same awake and a sleep time for their next week go go forth nice back to me in a week we've regulated some level of routine typically and this is a massive generalization male gamers mm. routines out of whack yeah hence crave uh the the stimulation and all this kind of stuff so simple things like this stack and compound and they make a massive difference so just same awake same asleep for sleep is huge they do um i think then i mean obviously nutrition people talk about gut health uh i get I would fall to, so I kind of fall to the side where um, slightly the 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 opposite. You know, the I'm I'm kind of in between uh, ectomorph and mesomorph, right? So if I I can achieve a certain physique purely through my training, don't have to change my diet, don't have to do anything. Right. I'm, I'm one of those lucky motherfuckers. Right. I just am. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Okay. Um, but with that said, I also notice that whenever I don't look after my dad, even though I don't have to, but when I don't, I just don't feel as good. Mm -hmm. right? When I'm not getting nutrients into my dad, like proper nutrients, if I'm not eating fruit, if I'm not taking, um, you know, dietary fiber on, like, uh, I'm not eating my veggies. Uh, for again, for me, meat. Sorry to all of the vegans listening, but uh, I feel good, right? When I'm getting all of those sources on board, I feel good. But then, let's say, mega training the kids go on holiday, and we've had you know pizzas and different things. It's like Jesus, I can't deal with this no more. You know, I, 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 mm -hmm. and 
what was surprising to me, right? So I, I know I know people say we shouldn't judge people, but I think that's actually impossible, right? I think we're put here on this planet to judge. We were at a we when we went on holiday in in Lanzarote, and I kind of looked around, right? Now there were periods where I was just like, I can't deal with this no more. Like I gotta go and have a nice fish restaurant and you know get some greens and you know some nice food. I gotta I gotta deal with that. But there were people who were in our hotel and it was all inclusive the whole time. And every time I seen them, they were eating like these hot dogs that were on the hot dog stand and beers. And then they were going to the all you can eat buffet. And then it was like pizzas and everything else. And I'm just like, mm. this is how they live all the time. Mm. And like, if I live like that for a day, personally, like my stomach is, is doing somersaults. Like I, I can't deal with this here, but mm. I suppose for them, there's no contrast is what we've said. If you're always doing that thing, then you just don't notice if you're in that state constantly, then you have nothing to compare it with, so you don't know what feeling good feels like. And and we get so used to abusing our bodies, and our bodies are just unbelievably adaptive that they figure your body figures out the best way to do it. But often, then you give it 50, 60 years, and it's not not good. No. Um. So the yeah. the other thing that you said there, by contrast. I sometimes wonder about this stuff. Is it that we just don't have the lived memory in our bodies of what it feels like to feel good? Mm. So a lot of the people that talk to me, running businesses, working in corporate, leading hundreds, maybe thousands of people, they forget what it's like to feel good, to have energy, to feel confident, to not worry about people so much, not worry about being having to do hard things so much that because they don't have that embodied thing that's close to them, they don't know what they're working towards. So when we tell people moving is really good, they're like, oh, but I only see people feeling like finding it hard. So why would I want that? That's not what I want because they don't have the memory. Mm. So I wonder what the gradient is towards the two and that their bodies adapt and feel cleaner and smoother in the way that it runs. We know what's good for them. We can show them the stats. But I wonder about the feeling part and that catching up, how you create that ahead of time to get people to feel a little bit more. Mm. I think a practical takeaway for anyone listening in terms of, you know, in terms of physiology, um, what are some of the things that people uh, could do to check themselves their breathing, their posture. Do you want some? What are other? What are some of the other signs that uh, that someone could look out for just to check themselves in terms of their physiology? Uh, and I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knows around nutrition, but some people, uh, you know, physiology, how they're carrying themselves, might fly under the radar. So, what mm -hmm. can someone look out for? Uh, one. What, so, just to be totally transparent. I, I find when I'm in a low mood, my gaze is not as focused. Mm. Um, so when you're more kind of nearly blurring reality, and you can do that with your gaze, I don't know how to actually consciously do it, but unconsciously I can see when I'm zoned out. Literally, I'm separate from the world. That would be one. 
Two is probably if you're not spending any time in nature, the antidote is the opposite, right? Move in the uh, inter- yeah. So like nature is really good for our nervous systems. Uh, typically, if we're struggling with mental health or just or just health, uh, it's probably we're not spending enough time in nature. So we're not breathing in enough like balanced air because you can be breathing in the middle of a city probably not good quality air around trees and the sea uh there's enough stuff there to top up the air in the right quality and that sounds too complex but like you can talk about that if it's helpful no i get it i get it you're just bringing um, people back to what we were naturally selected to do which was spend time in nature. yeah 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 and trees breathe out what we breathe in and we breathe out what they breathe in so we're built to be near trees that's why i plant one for everybody i work with I really care about that uh, that's one postures too. Um, how often, and this sounds a little bit woo woo, but how often do you touch people physically? Because that's every a physiological, day. huh? Every damn day. <laughs> but but that's yeah. a massive piece. So that book, Lost Connections by Johan Harry, he says how disconnected we are from people. So we wave at the neighbors outside in the housing development that we're in, but we never sit around and share a meal. When we were in tribes of 70 or 80, we would have. It's all communal. It's banging shoulders. It's rubbing shoulders. We don't do that anymore. We've been isolated, which is the opposite to connected, right? So those kind of things are also part of physiology. Uh, I got a message the other day, Lenny, of somebody that just says, I just feel a bit meh. Like we know these things. So maybe just check in with your body right now if you're listening. What's going on? Are you breathing in your chest a little bit more? Is it shallow? Well, then you're probably a little bit maybe anxious or tight. Mm. Deepening your breathing into your diaphragm and into your belly might just relax you a little bit. Uh, Just Maybe stuff like that. Do you think like you could go to nth degree if you want? We like could, if you're, could. I, I'm actually just sitting here thinking to myself that um, when you said, you know, Jeez, am I anxious? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just sitting thinking to myself that, you know, how how much answers something like jujitsu or wrestling. You know, people talk about combat sports, jujitsu especially because for me, I. I, I, and again, I'm going to be very extremely biased around this, but it ticks a lot of boxes in terms of strength, in terms of endurance, in terms of connecting with other human beings, in terms of overcoming obstacles, solving problems. It just ticks so many boxes beyond Cuddles. sport. What was that? Cuddles. Cuddles. Uh, human touch. I mean, again. Touch. It, and even though, like, I don't care how uncomfortable it can be at times. So there's a, for anyone that doesn't know, like there's an exercise called the body triangle in jujitsu. And it's like, imagine like a, a python wrapping around your waist and crushing your waist. That's kind of what it feels like, right? But at, at, with someone trying to like wrap their arm around your neck, but no matter when I'm in that scenario, I'm laughing to myself, right? <laughs> It's funny, like it genuinely is funny because I'm like I'm fighting for a position and I'm trying, I'm trying for them not to, not and eventually you know if you're caught there, like it, it takes a bit of, especially if you're up against a high level guy, you know, it takes a bit of work to get out. Um, 
So, you know, the percentage of you getting out of it is not great, but it's always mm-hmm. enjoyable. And mm-hmm. it's even though it's like it feels like a really restrictive position, it is. But at the same time, it's there's something about it where it's just like, this is good. This is fun. You know, it's just so much fun. Um, so mm-hmm. it always text those boxes for me. Um, so I'm I'm going to do a, a Jocko one and I'm just going to say to people, just go to jujitsu. It. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's gonna, it's gonna solve so many problems for you beyond learning a sport. Anything that we've spoken about in terms of your phil- physiology, how you carry yourself, your confidence, connecting with other people, creating new neural pathways in your mind because you're learning. Like there's just so much there that just goes beyond. It. You birth it. I mean, the only thing that it's missing is actually. Uh, nature as i like doing it outside right yeah. so but that's an easy tick you can make that happen no problem at all so yeah. um yeah that box can easily be ticked do jujitsu mm. nature and it will solve a lot of your uh a lot of your movement issues i promise yeah and like maybe just because uh, I, I reckon we'll only get to talk about physiology in this one yeah. I think so too. Uh, for anyone listening, there will be a part two to this. We will continue this. Talk. <laughs> can I can I offer a couple of tips? Let's do it. Move, sleep, eat better, drink more water, breathe in nature. Uh, and the other thing that we forget is just do more things that you enjoy, that give you energy. Nice. Do less of the things that take away your energy. Some of this doesn't have to be complicated or complex do the basics just do them yeah i don't call them basics anymore i call them fundamentals fundamentals sorry yes useful <laughs> distinction useful distinction yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the basics people look beyond the people will not look beyond the fundamentals though fundamentally we need this year so I, i've exchanged that word yes. um, so we will continue this conversation what would you have added to that yeah move sleep water food breathing for in nature sunlight mm. yeah sunlight i think it's really important the more so our brain's first connection with the outside world is our eyes second is the soles of the feet if you connect the soles of your feet with the earth and you uh, as Liver King would say, stack the sun, get the sunlight on your eyes. Not only will that help regulate your uh, sleep. And again, uh, I've looked at uh, Andrew Huberman. He's kind of directed me towards some sort of studies on this, which is why I'm bringing it up. So, you know, when people struggle with uh, and sleep at night, uh, a lot of it is to do with their circadian rhythm. Um, not being in tune with a 24-hour clock because they don't go outside, they don't get sunlight, they're looking at it through a window. So when you go outside and you see photons, even through the clouds, yes. your eyes pick up on that, your nervous system picks up on that, your brain picks up on that, it knows it's daytime, and then, it, and then on the flip side of that, it knows when it's nighttime. So then it's like you just get into a much better cycle because of that so um yes getting sunlight on there in there on top of all that and i mean 10 to 15 minutes is all it takes go for a walk walk at the work Mm -hmm. instead of driving 
park your car 15 minutes further than what you normally would because now you're getting up two hours before you have to, so you've got time to do that. <laughs> you're getting me up earlier. It's crazy. I just keep getting the hints. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Well, we should wrap this episode up and we will continue this conversation in the next episode. Hopefully it was valuable. If it was, please share it with a friend who needs to hear it.